Straw Hut Media. When two worlds combine. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> <Ba-da-da-da>. <laughs> Intro- <laughs> like I'm saying, introduce yourself. Oh, I get to introduce my show first. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm Levi Chambers, and I'm the host of the Pride Podcast uh, from Straw Hut Media. From Straw Hut Media. <laughs> this is Randy Glanville Unfiltered. We're doing a crossover episode. It's like one pod. To, in, to, what are we doing? <laughs> one pod. One pod. Two stories. Two stories. And obviously, this is Brandy Glanville Unfiltered. So, worlds collide. We're here. You have a rainbow shirt on. We're here. We're queer. Let's talk about it. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to start? I yeah, mean, you I... start because I feel like I traveled here. Okay. So, I feel like you're in charge today. Oh, I'm in but charge. But then we'll like just talk. Okay, great. Well, I have a lot of questions for you. Great. I, I hope that I have some answers. I'm sure you do. Okay. So you obviously come from a huge franchise that yes. is very, very gay. I mean, you I mean, you have Andy Cohen. It's just a very gay show. Oh, you mean the, the show? You mean the audience? Yes. Okay, yes. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like the gay community's your fans, right? You have a lot of gay fans. Yeah, you know, I don't understand why i couldn't tell you why but the the most of our fans are bored housewives and women and gay men and i there's very few straight men unless their wives force them to watch a show that actually know anything about housewives um and i don't have an answer because i feel like i don't want to group everyone in and like make it like a stereotype all gay men love housewives because i do have friends that think it's misogynist and horrible and it's not uplifting and they don't watch it but it does seem like a lot of, you know, there is a, a huge gay audience. And, you know, for Big Brother as well, which I did not know going in, but coming out, a lot of the um, fans for Housewives were crossed over. They're like, Big Brother is like such a gay phenomenon. I had no idea. I, I don't know why. Do Maybe, you know why? <laughs> I mean, that's like a big, I think a lot of reality shows in general, or like that style of shows have larger gay audiences, particularly like you said, Housewives and Big Brother. So when you started working in that, let's just say like industry, were you surprised that there's a lot of gay men also working in the that part, portion of the industry? I don't think that I was surprised. I grew up in a household where my mom had, you know, all of the gay teenagers living at her house that were kicked out of their homes. So I grew up in a very liberal household and it was just normal for me to be around gay men. It was just, that was my normal So I don't think for me it was odd, but once I got into it, I was like, oh, it's something I definitely started to notice. I mean, a lot of the producers, I mean, one of the main producers is my friend and he's definitely straight (laughs) because we made out um, before I was on (laughs) Housewives, like a long time ago. Um, It did not get me the job, by the way, (laughs) just putting that out there. Somebody said that, but it's just not true. Um, I, I don't have an answer. It's like saying... Do all Japanese people love sushi? I don't, I'm sure not all of them do. I don't know. I, um, and for me, it's kind of just my normal because that's how I grew up. Yeah. I don't have an answer. So can we unpack, you were, you said, you were saying growing up, you were in a very like progressive household where you had a lot of like teenagers who may have been gay that were coming over a lot. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like, yeah, no. So, um, we grew up in a very, uh, a tough neighborhood, very tough. And we didn't have a lot of money. And my parents were hippies kind of in, you know, 
My dad sold pot. We grew pot before it was legal. I sold pot at my high school. We were just progressive, I guess you could say. And my mom, I was in dance and gymnastics. And I think because of that, like all of my coaches were gay. And it just, my mom had this, like she just helped everyone. My mom, my best friend, Kim, her brother, Joseph, was gay and his parents kicked him out of the house. And so my mom moved him in. And all of a sudden we had like four gay men living with us because they weren't accepted by their parents. And um, it made, I feel like it made me who I am a little bit today because my kids are like, like that's just they have gay friends at school i think that's great because back in the day we no one could say they were gay because god forbid like you would get beaten up i mean in our neighborhood it was it was scary so would you say then like you had the gay coaches with your gymnastics and your dance is there anyone in particular that you can remember that really shaped who you became and and how you think about people yeah definitely my coach clark ginnings and i um he was my gymnastics coach and he he always told me, like, he's like, you're a star. You have to just be you. So for my gymnastics routine, like on the floor, I decided I wanted <laughs> Elton John's funeral for a friend and Flight of the Bumblebee. I wanted to like, I wanted to show that I was hyper, hyper. And then also like, that, like there's two sides to me because I don't identify as a straight woman. I've had relationships with women and it's, I, I don't even identify. I don't know. I hate putting label on it. Like there's so many labels out there and I, I don't want to be a label. I'm just me. So it sounds like you just came out as not straight. I, I've come out. I've said it a million times. I have, I'm not straight. I'm crooked as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Back to Clark. Was that his name? Yes. So was there anything like that you really remember that sticks out to you growing up? Like this person is either just putting me in the situation that really has shaped me into this good person well he just accepted me for me and you know for me i i wanted really short hair i wanted to have my my head shaved on one side i wanted i was just different and he celebrated that difference where i and a lot of times i was i don't like the word bully but i was i didn't fit in growing up and you know i've always been attracted to women even when i was younger and it was hard for me to say that out loud even though i lived in the family that i lived in i felt like i couldn't talk about it but i could with clark if that makes sense so i could like be 100 percent myself yeah and he and he loved and accepted me and he i don't know i want to say kept my secret but he he never said anything to my mom and dad and i just i wasn't ready to talk about it when i was younger so i felt like he just he got me he was like my person and then coming into hollywood you meet a lot of those people who've kind of shaped your career along the way well, I mean, I was in the fashion business for – I was a model for a long time. I lived in Europe. And also in the modeling industry, there's a lot of gay men as well. Like a lot of my agents were gay. A lot of the designers I worked for were gay. So I've always been around gay men and women. Not, I think more gay men than women. Um, but no, it's just – it's my normal. So, But I was a little surprised at how many fans of Housewives were gay men. I was like – What's interesting about watching women throw wine and scream at each other? Everything. I know, right? But that's, I, I feel like I love watching those shows too. So I just feel like some people love drama and it's not if you're gay or straight, you just love drama. And I think straight men are a little bit simple. <laughs> I mean that in the best possible way. They just need food and sleep and sex and money. 
Like they don't, and they're not about the drama. You can tell when the husbands, the ones on Housewives, like they see drama happening, they go to the other side of the room. They're like, this is not what I'm here for. So I feel like, you know, it's just, um, we just like drama. Well, and there's definitely a level of like fabulousness to the housewives, to all of all of them. Well, I mean, I feel like a, in a way, some of the shows are getting a little bit toxic, a little bit too, listen, I don't want to ruin lives. I just, I want to watch people get in fight and throw wine. Like, I don't want to say someone's, you know, got issues here and there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have done that when I was under attack and I was lashing out and saying something back during my first season. And I have regrets about that. Um, But now I just feel like let's not go so deep. I mean, we don't need to ruin lives here. It's, it's It's a show that is train wreck TV, but there's children and stuff involved that hear all of these things and it's just not okay. Right. So then there's like a level where it's like the wine throwing and that's enough. You don't have right. to. <laughs> yes. I mean, I feel like, um, so Yolanda Foster and I, well, she's Hadid, sorry, not Foster anymore. We had this thing we called the vault and we knew things about other housewives that we would never say. And we promised to never talk about it. And it was only brought up one time by Yolanda to Kyle. And she's like, you know, I have a lot of things in the vault. And her and I, we had like we had life ruining shit that we knew that we would never say, and that's ultimately possibly why we weren't asked back. It's just not enough drama. I mean, I feel like there's enough drama. I'm not going to ruin your life, you know. I, I'm not here to do that. I would never be able to live with myself. So, you know, there is there are people that you know won't go that far, and then there are people that just are toxic, right? And then it kind of does become like, like you said earlier, you don't want to really put a label on it, but it is kind of bullying in that way, right? Uh, yeah, I don't, uh, that word is just weird. It's because it's just so um, overused, I think, right now. Yeah. Um, I feel like on Beverly Hills, we all really did care about each other and we liked each other. We had friendships. And I think some of the other shows, Orange County in particular, um, I don't know that the women actually are friends outside of the show. I don't think that they really care about each other because if they did, they wouldn't be saying certain things and there would be repercussions, but they're, I feel like there's just no remorse and they just go low and call it a day because they don't really care about anyone. Which is a shame, right? Because you're these women who are powerful and very, you know, privileged in that way and you have a lot of influence Right. We're supposed to be bringing each other up. I mean, yes, there's always drama with girls. I fight with my girlfriends all the time. and But like we we fight, but that's a relationship and we make up. You know, that's what you're supposed to do because I care about them. And watching the shows, like it's hard because I don't know that there are genuine relationships. So there aren't consequences and people just go low because they're just self-involved and don't give a fuck about anyone else. Right. But you have like a limit and you're just like, I'm not going there. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not. Like I, I've been there. You know, I did that once and I'm, I'm, I don't want to do it anymore. I think that's so. a good place to be though. Right. When you just realize like it's not worth it. No, I have kids now that, that, that are, I mean, I've always had kids obviously for 16 years, but um, now it would affect them like it is affecting, let's say Kelly Dodd's daughter. It would 
hurt them, you know, and I, they're at school and they could be teased about certain things. And that's just not something I'm willing to do to my children. Or to like anyone's. Anyone. No, anyone's. Yeah. Right. Or not, I'm not here to ruin your marriage. I'm not here to say horrible things about you that get back to your kids and get them, you know, embarrassed by you. You know, you want your kids to love you and be excited that you're their mom. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's a, I think it's a balancing act that a lot of people can do. And there are some people that just can't. Yeah. So bringing it kind of into like this queer space, obviously you're in the public eye a lot. Have you had instances where you've met fans of the show or of the books or, or anything that you've, you've really done fans of you who have really expressed that you help them or that you've yeah, you know, definitely with the books. The first one, drinking and tweeting, it was all about my divorce and the and what I went through, which was not glamorous at all. Like I definitely talk about, you know, drinking too much and doing embarrassing things. And it's just more relatable because a lot of women go through it and they have to hide and sweep it under the rug because it's embarrassing that their husband cheated. And for me, I had to get it out because otherwise it was going to ruin me. I, I I would like sit in a closet and listen to Alanis Morissette and I'm like, this is going to be the end of my life. And if I didn't have my kids, I might not be here today. And I wanted to share that because I think it's important to let women know that, yeah, it's normal to go through these feelings when you're brokenhearted and you can, you can be okay at the end of it and you're not alone. Right. You don't have to stay in the closet. You can Right. Just <laughs> stay in the class. <laughs> Don't say, oh, yeah, exactly. But you can literally face, yeah, face those, I guess you'd say they're just obstacles really in your life, right? Not life ending. No, I mean, overcome for, them. for some people, heartbreak can be life ending. And I think that um, it feels like life ending in the moment, no matter what, because you feel like you've lost your family and you've lost, you know, everything that meant anything to you. And now you're going to have your kids half the time and they're your kids and there's a lot of struggles that go with it. And in that little moment, which was two years for me, that moment, uh, I felt like it was life ending, which, you know, it's obviously not for me, but I think it can be for some people. How did you overcome all of those? You know, I don't want to say they're problems, but just issues that you had to resolve. How did you overcome them? Was it with therapy? Did you, what were like your outlets to help yourself get back to this like place? Chardonnay was a big part of it. <laughs> um, you know, I always say that my children saved my life because you have to be present. I'm raising children. They have to go to school. They have to be on time. They need breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And if I didn't have that, if I didn't, if I wasn't needed, I would be afraid of where I would be. So I really, they grounded me in a way that I think it saved my life, you know, and I would hide things from them. I would wear sunglasses in the house because I didn't want them to see me crying because it hurt them when I was crying. And I would just say, I have allergies and it, they really did save my life and they still do every day. I love them. So, I mean, like I'm in such a better place now. I could cry. I love them so much. And there's just, you can get to the other side of it, but in the moment it can feel like it's life ending. Did you have someone other than your kids to like talk to about these things? No, I didn't. And that's why I wrote the book. I was, I was, I wrote every night. That was kind of my therapy. At the time, I didn't really believe in therapists and we had gone to a marriage therapist and I'm like, 
I'm smarter than you, bitch. Like, I already knew everything she was going to say. And I'm like, no. And I didn't really, I didn't feel like I could be helped by a therapist. I have one now, which is very helpful. Um, But in that moment, you just kind of felt very alone. And if I didn't write and write all of everything down that I was feeling, I wouldn't have the book, number one, but I, I think that I would implode. I needed to put it, get it out. And I didn't feel like I could talk to anyone about it because my girlfriends were all more upset than I was. And I didn't want to make it worse for my family or my girlfriends. So I just kept everything inside because I, you know, you just want it to go away and have everyone be fine. But a lot of us weren't fine. And I just didn't want to make it worse. So you just let all of those feelings kind of flow onto the paper. Yeah. They had to. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, I would have imploded. But um, yeah, now when I go and do book signings or we go and we do plays, you know, they hire different housewives from different cities. A lot of the women that come up to me are like, you saved me. Your book saved me. You don't understand. My husband did this and he did this. And I'm like, I am kind of the face and voice for scorned women and men. And it's just, um, I feel like that, that was, I feel that was my purpose. I needed to write that book. So those, all of those like feelings mostly just came from your personal relationships falling, that personal relationship falling apart, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think, um, that is when I was at my lowest low and I realized like I, it's sink or swim and I have to take care of these kids and then randomly, not looking to be on TV at all, housewives fell into my lap. And it was just like, you want to do this? I'm like, why not? And I also think that kind of saved me because it made me accountable as well. It's not like I could, I mean, yes, I was drinking a lot on the show, don't get me wrong, but I had to show up for work. I had to look cute. I had to be present. I couldn't just be in my bed with, you know, a bottle of Chardonnay next to me. Yeah. I had to, I had, it helped me in a lot of ways. So, you actually just hit on a point that we talk about a lot on the Pride podcast is we do like a high, high and a low, low. So obviously we know about that a very low point in your life. Where is a really high point that you've been like, even it can go back as far as you want. Where do you feel like your highest high was? Um, I, I, I think it's right now. Honestly, I feel like I'm happier than I've ever been. My kids are doing so well in school. They're the happiest little men. Yes, they're my children, so they're a little sarcastic. But they they celebrate me and they love me and there's no issues. Like, And I'm getting along with their dad and their stepmom and we're like one big, happy, weird family, you know? And I couldn't do that before. And now I'm at Mother's Day with them. And we might fight the next day, but we're all together. Like we're going to be in this forever all of us you know hopefully so just a big modern family a big old modern family and before i couldn't even you know sit next to them without wanting to kill them <laughs> like murder just take it to that level murder in my head i was like i, I told her no wine nope, splash no kill yeah <laughs> but i'm obviously much better now so so what was that relationship like building this you know watching it fall apart with your ex, then him meeting meeting someone or being with someone. Was it hard to be to become like friendly? You know what? How it, did that go? Well, it was incredibly hard. We didn't. We fought. We had. I think we had more Twitter wars than anyone in the world, and we fought constantly. Like I was constantly 
lashing out because of things that she would do when she was poking the bear and we were just going back and forth and um I finally just realized that you know Jake was having a play and I saw them sitting and I was on the other side and Jake was like looking both ways you know they were sitting on the left side I was sitting on the right and I'm like this is not fair for my kid so I went over and I sat by them and that's when I was like you know what this is we need to stop the fighting do we still fight on occasion of course we do um, we fight over why do they not have chores and why do they, you know, like dumb shit. But, you know, the kids, it's all about them. And if we're happy, they're happy. If we're fighting, it's uncomfortable for them. Right. And, um, I, you know, I just think I, I grew up a little bit and she grew up a little bit. My husband, oh, my ex-husband's wife, I feel like we're always evolving. It's been 10 years. So, I mean, it took that long to get to this space. And we still have some difficulties, but ultimately we are, you know, one big modern family that we love each other. So did that, because at the same time you were, you're gaining all of this fame as this is all going on. Was there, obviously everyone has issues when you're not in the public eye, you have life problems that you're dealing with. Was there a big difference between dealing with problems when you're not famous and problems when you are very famous. Well, I, I, I didn't. I had the perfect life in my head um, until my ex-husband did what he did. I really had. I had the best life. My parents. We had. Listen, my dad and I. We fight like cats and dogs. We have to take breaks, but I really. They're still together. We're you know one big happy family. My brother, my sister, my nieces, and I didn't know heartache like that until that moment, and. So if like I ha- I don't know any different, it just all happened. So I'm gonna live my truth, and if there's a camera there, I'm still gonna tell my truth. And it wasn't like I was just trying to get back at them. This just happened, and my truth's my truth. I wish I could lie. My life would be so much easier. It was it's just so <laughs> much easier. <laughs> no like, truth. No, you look great. <laughs> no kidding. You know, like I just wish sometimes I could. I was able to um, not be so truthful, but I do think that that is what people kind of like, I like, oh yeah, I'm the truth canon, like whatever, but people still write that to me. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm just a bad liar. I'm horrible at it, like the worst. <laughs> so it's just easier to just tell them how it is. You yeah. look terrible. Yeah, you look, you know what? I wouldn't wear that if I were you. <laughs> I do tell my friends that. I'm like, maybe not tonight. Yeah. Different day. Yeah. Outfit for a different day. <laughs> Yeah, I I think so. So Mia um, was a hair, I'm assuming. She, yes, she um, is an amazing uh, hairstylist. Okay. Yeah. So did a lot of your work when you were on camera or those sorts of things? Um, For The Apprentice, she did. I got her um, hired because she was just there with me. And I'm like, you know what? Can I, you know, everyone else had hair and makeup that they hired. I I never, I don't really ask for things. I wish I would. But I did ask if she could get paid to do that. And so she was with me, like with me on set that whole time, which is if I didn't have her, I I had like my first panic attack during that time. And um, if I didn't have her, I would have, I don't know what, it was horrible. Yeah. Fortunately, for her, she lives in a conservative town in Florida. It's um Delray Beach, and 
it's a lot of older people. And, you know, she realized while she was living with me in L.A. that she always knew she wanted, she was a woman in a man's body. So she decided one day to tell me. And then I told the kids and we we're like, yay, let's have a party. But now, you know, she's back in Florida. And the struggle is that she can't be her true self. She can't go out with, you know, her makeup and all of the things that she wants to do because of the judgment there. And also, you know, she wants to get some plastic surgery, like feminine, feminine, what do you call it? Like a facial feminization? Exactly. Um, That kind of thing, which is super expensive and she can't afford it. And um, any doctors out there that want to help, help, you know, I feel like it's important if you look in the mirror and you don't see who you think you, you should see. I feel like for her, she definitely, she deserves to have this. She's in her 40s, like the last, you know, not the last part of her life, but she deserves to be who she is. And I I wish she could be here in LA with me, but, you know, she's got obligations there and she has a salon there. And I just feel like it's hard for her kind of hiding, not being able to be authentic. Mm-hmm. Like when she's with me, we, we like – we share wigs. <laughs> so wait, how did you meet Mia? I met Mia through a girlfriend and he was married. She was married at the time for 13 years um, to a horrible person. And um, we just fell in love. That's the truth. We were, we, it's like, it was like magic. I can't explain it. I had an instant best friend and I trusted her in everything and she she took care of me emotionally, and I went off to do Celebrity Apprentice with our president. And she Ooh, knew we'll get into that in a yeah, minute. She knew that I was scared to death because I didn't think of myself as that business minded person, and I was just doubting myself. And she was like, "I'm going with you." And I think she was also escaping the fact that her husband at the time was cheating on her with everyone, and we just. I think it's been like eight years now. We're just, we are in love. Like she is my soulmate in a weird way. We will definitely be old together somewhere making fun of people. <laughs> so <laughs> We then, don't really make fun of people. Well, we kind of do, but. So then now let's talk about your experience on Celebrity Apprentice. Yes. How did that go? Um, as far as, so, as far as Mr. Trump goes, we, he was, we didn't have any like, horrible interaction it's like was he horrible he wasn't horrible and i wish i could say that he was (laughs) kind of the one thing he did say to me which is off i thought a little inappropriate is that i should never wear red lipstick which i am wearing today (laughs) so you can suck it Uh, not you dt (laughs) um so i that's the only every other interaction that i had with him was fine and usually it was off camera but when the cameras came on he definitely turned into a different person. And I feel like that's kind of who we're seeing at these rallies and, you know, at these debates is a version of himself, which is he's turned on, you know, not, not like sexually, but like, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe he does get off that. I don't know. But um, I don't know that that's his true authentic self. I don't know that he knows who that is. But um, my experience was he was kind off camera and then on camera he turned into someone else but i mean i everyone's like what was it horrible it just wasn't you know just was it was it was just fine and ivanka was lovely the kids were nice 
I mean, I'm not going to lie. Because at that time, they were kids. They were um, younger. They were they were in the boardroom with them. They were still. I mean, they were married. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they weren't actually kids. It wasn't that long ago. Um, and they were just lovely and articulate and everything you would think you would want your how you would want your kids to act. Yes, do I know more about them now that I don't agree with? Of course I do. But just my personal experience wasn't horrific. Right. But you had Mia there too. I did. If I didn't have you Mia, did. I <laughs> I don't know what I would have done. It was yeah, it was a very it was probably the hardest show that I've ever done. Really? Yes. Even with all the wine in the face and I, throwing? Oh, I'll throw wine anytime, girl. I no, it's because you, like there's this pressure to ask all of these people in your life for money and you have to ask them like right now and they, you need it right now. So I'm cold calling all of my friends going, can you give me five grand? Can you? I mean, it it's the most uncomfortable thing ever. I don't yeah. ask anyone for anything ever. So then to ask them, and by the way, can you wire it right now? This second. Yes, the second. Um, so it was very stressful. And if you didn't get enough money in, you were called out, you know, on TV and you were like, oh, the le- you got the least amount of money in. And it was just so stressful. So for wait, me. when the money comes in, I don't actually remember how Celebrity Apprentice worked. When the money, what would happen? So like. This is shady as F. Okay. okay. This is what I think. So, well, I know this. So. <laughs> So don't think no. I know. So so whoever wins at the end, like the end of like your, um, you know, there's different teams at the end of the challenge. You know, you have to get all of your money in, and it goes into this trust, the safe, which obviously is getting interest. Like it's sitting there for a long time, and there's a lot of interest because it's not going straight to charity; it's going into a bank account. And then once the person wins, then they'll figure out how to get it to charity. But they're, I mean, we rate, I alone on one, um, I raised over $250,000. And like that's sitting, it's one person, there's like 20 of us. So there's a lot of millions of dollars sitting, making money until the end of this show. And I'm like, I actually asked them in the producers, I go, I want to know where the interest from all this money goes. Do you guys give it to charity? And it was like, she, was, she shook her head and started laughing. She's like, Brandy, don't. And so I'm, I'm curious where does it go? I would like to know. And how much did they make? And I mean, I guess they have to pay for the show somehow. But yeah. um, I mean, it just seems like, yeah, it seems a little weird for me. Crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah especially because it's a big network. I mean, it's not like this is a shady. No, exactly. A little network, you yeah. know? No, I, I think. And it was, I don't know. It was just a whole bizarre thing that everyone, I feel like everyone was thinking it. No one would say it. Of course, I'm the a-hole that would say it. And it was like, and now I'm saying it again. <laughs> just curious, really. I really am. Yeah, because they hold be on lot. to that money until like the end of the show when somebody wins. And if it's $2 million, it's some serious interest. Yes. You're talking about at least 100, like if you're 1%, it's at $100,000. We'll have to do the math. Yeah, later. yeah I'm blondish, so it's not, I'm, I'm pretty good at math, but no. Um, so yeah, no, that, my experience was that I found out that I was more business minded than I thought, which was great. But it was tough to do. You know, it was just a tough show for me to do. And I had people there that I did not like. And then you're on a team with like your enemy. Did you have to just make it work? Uh, or don't. <laughs> or have a panic attack. <laughs> but then there's Mia. Yes, to help with exactly. The panic <laughs> and an ambulance. So, I mean, I legit had a panic attack. I, I thought I was having a heart attack. Was it because of the show? It was, yeah, it was the show. And I was with Kenya Moore and her and I did not get along and there was things like she was physically bumping into me and 
and so was this other guy, a guy, like a big football player was bumped. Like, I was like, oh my God, they could beat me up. <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. And I just thought like, I just felt alone and terrified. And I just, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was the worst feeling. So, um, yeah, I just, I guess I just had a panic attack. Well, well now you know. Now you know and you survived it. Yep. Put it in the book. Yep. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And but what about you? How are you, how did, what, I know that Ryan sent me some information on you and how did you decide that you wanted to get into this? I know you had the TV, what was it? So I, obviously, so we have the Pride podcast, which it was, I think it was last year that um, Ryan and one of his other producers, Will, that we discussed like, hey, let's do an LGBTQ themed podcast. And it's kind of gone through a little bit of like an evolution to where it is now. Um, we originally called it LGBTQ plus you get it? Oh, that's cute. Get it? And I, I didn't yeah. come up with it. <laughs> Will came up with it, but it is it is kind of cute. Um, but yeah, actually, so the idea behind Pride as a podcast, I'm trying to remember. It's actually an acronym. So the acronym stood for Personal Rights in Defense and Education, right? Which is kind of a bigger blanket than just the LGBTQ community. Yes, much Personal bigger. Rights in Defense and Education. Is that right? Personal Rights in Defense and Education. Yeah, and that can apply to everyone. Yeah, absolutely everyone. So how much do you know? I have like a little crash course for you in LGBTQ history, which we can edit into some cool way of yeah, spinning it. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm not, like I said, I grew up, you know, it's just, this is normal for me. You know, I don't, I don't know a ton about, well, let's just do it. Let's just do let's it. Let's just go through it. Okay. Jotted it down a little bit. Okay. So the history of the LGBTQ rights movement here in the US anyway, it's usually dated back to like 1969. Um, Ooh, I love was, that year. It's a great year, wasn't <laughs> it? So I wasn't born yet, but sounds like a good year. Yeah, for sure. So there was a bar, which we'll talk about, and it's obviously a very famous bar now, um, where the patrons were tired of police discrimination, and eventually they fought back uh, after a raid. So at that time, homosexuality, um, which was actually still called sodomy in <sighs> legal terms, was still illegal. So. If you were a man, you could be arrested for wearing drag. And if you were a woman, you could face the same penalty if you weren't wearing at least three articles of feminine clothing. What is that? Heels, a skirt, I don't know. Better be feminine or you're getting arrested. So when you really think about it, it's not that long ago. It's really not. Right, it's 50 years. Yeah, no, 50 it's years. It's not that long ago at all. And you would have been like, hey, no, you don't have a dress on and there's no heels. Nope, you're going to get arrested, right? So they were really pushing back around queer culture in general. And that harassment lasted for a really long time, I, right? I feel like it goes on a little bit still it today. It does. depends. I think LA is progressive. I think in other states, they still have a lot of issues definitely to work through. Yeah. yeah. And they sometimes are working forward and sometimes they're going back and then... And sometimes they're going forward and going back at the same, two same steps time. Forward, yeah, three steps back. So exactly. it's, it's difficult, but yes. So back then though, people were really pissed because you couldn't, you know, if you were wearing drag, you're going to get arrested, which if you go to West Hollywood right now, you're going to see probably a drag queen at like uh, one yep. o'clock, yeah. right? They're just all the <laughs> yep. time. So on June 28th, 1969, which is like the date. So the police came, they were about to raid the Stonewall Inn, which was a queer bar in uh, Greenwich. And there were 200 patrons inside. They didn't just sit there and wait to be arrested and cuffed and carried out. Instead, they resisted right then. 
um, and they rioted. Oh, I just got the chills. I know, right? Yeah. A little bit of like That's a movie good, monologue. Right? So they rioted, and it definitely sent the police and also the community this loud message of how frustrated they are, and they were, with all the prejudice towards the LGBTQ community. So if you ever wondered why Pride Month is June, it's not just because it's warm and like a right, nice time for a parade. <laughs> I really, I, I did not know that. This is great. great. I mean, I, I'm glad I know it now, but yeah, I, I, I just always thought it was a great month to do <laughs> like, it. It's summer. Right? It's perfect. We can wear a little bit of like, yeah. small clothing. And it's it'll be great. fine. It's not just for that. Obviously, the weather is great. Perfect for a parade, especially in New York City. Um, but it's also super historically relevant, which uh, that kind of spurred a movement, as you'd say, like an LGBTQ movement um, that kind of took the coattails, I guess you'd say, of the Stonewall riots. And now there, there's some other riots that have happened. There's one in LA called the Black Cat, which is also very prominent. It just didn't gain as much notoriety mainstream as Stonewall. But when we could, was that? It was actually two years before Stonewall, the Black Cat Tavern. Oh, wow. Which I don't know that it was as large. Right. Right. You have like the brick throwing and this very, I guess you'd almost say romanticized version of Stonewall that has definitely taken mainstream. Yeah attention. But there was the black cat and it actually also birthed uh, what became the Advocate magazine, which was originally called Pride, interestingly enough, oh. and it was just a pamphlet. And then it transitioned into becoming the Advocate and then what it is today, which is a print publication. Um, wow, this is very, I, I right? really, I'm learning a lot. Yeah. So right after Stonewall, you have all these different cities that want to do something similar, right? But you can't just be like, let's do another riot. You right. have to have like <laughs> yeah, a name for right. it, right? Yeah. There's what are you going to do? You have to have something to like unify around. So then in 1970, they formed a committee and the committee was tasked like, hey, all right, we're going to come up with a name for this. So the problem was there was nothing obvious, right? Like, are you going to call it just gay power? Because at the time, LGBTQ right. and queer weren't right, used right, yeah, exactly. as prominently as they are now. So you're just going to call it gay power. And then uh, one of the committee members, his name was L. Craig Schoonmaker, I believe. It's S-C-H-O-O-N maker. Shoemaker, um, suggested gay pride, which everyone unanimously was like, this is legit. Yeah, yeah that's what we're going to call I mean, it. Pride just fits. It fits right. because you they are proudful and they, as we all should be yeah. for who we are. So he did, Shoemaker, did an interview, I want to say it was in like 2015, where he said people did not have power then. Even now, we only have some, which really leads into what you were just saying. Right. Like, we have a long way to go. They do. But he added, but anyone can have pride in themselves, and that would make them happier as people and produce the movement likely to produce change, which is a really great, great quote, because what it means is anyone can take pride in themselves and create change. Well, as they should, but I, I feel like, unfortunately, there are conservative people around, like with Mia, like we talked about, she she's frightened to live her true self right, you know, and be prideful for who she really is. Yeah. And so, and it's, you know, it's not that she, she's not ashamed. She just, it's hard because the people around her are so conservative. Right. So, I mean, it's like, yes, it's easier to say have pride, you know, but it's hard to do. But don't get punched. No, God, no. Right. Like have no. pride, just don't get beat up. No, no, God, no. Right. So that's kind of our goal um, with the pride podcast is we're playing off of that. Like anyone can have pride in themselves and then telling those stories of people who either are LGBTQ and have a story to tell or something that they're doing, that they're working on that's creating this positive change or allies like right. yourself who identify as non-straight. Crooked. <laughs> crooked. Who identify as crooked 
in um, also helping to amplify and tell the stories of those queer people. I feel like I wish we just why do we have to have compartments for all of us? Like, why do we have to have like it's unfortunate. Yes, we have to have this right now so that we can all stick together and no one comes and beats us up and punches us. But I wish we could live in a space where, listen, if I like girls and guys, like it's, we're all just sexual beings and we do what we want to do and there's no, there's no, you know, labels on any of it. Right. And I mean, that would be my perfect goal. I don't judge people that like certain things sexually. I like, I just don't, I feel like we shouldn't because there, there's no written law that says you can't be attracted to, you know, A, B and C. And it's just, it's frustrating for me. And growing up, I didn't know about LGBTQ. I I didn't know like until I moved to LA, and they added the Q recently, right? Like not that long. I ago. I think it's always been there, but it just it? It was like LGBT plus, and now it's LGBTQ plus or LGBTQIA plus. See, <laughs> it I, gets longer because I I just always in my world we were all the same, we're all equal, and that's how I grew up. So coming here to LA is when I learned about the LGBTQ. And I couldn't say it. I was getting letters wrong for a long time. I'm like, oh my God, I'm the worst person. But, you know, for I feel like I wish for the world that we could all <laughs> just accept everyone for who they are, you know? Yeah. And it's it's hard. And I, I'm not happy that we have to have these different groups. And But listen, that's the only way we can, we're going to get to that space where we can all just be one big happy family. Right. Because I think that is the eventual end goal. Right. Of course. Is for it, everything to just be cool. Whatever yeah, no, it is, it is. Sure. You know, yes. and, but by along the road, it's like you have to have these labels so you that do. you have visibility. So you can get, exactly. And you can get there and you can all stick together and like get to that next step. Exactly. I get it. I just, I, like, I hope for my kids and I, I know for my kids, like they're so used to Mia being, you know, dresses a woman in a wig and sometimes she's not um and they have friends that are gay at school and that's the world that i kind of grew up in but i also grew up in my friend joseph getting beaten up because he was gay with like a baseball bat not just beaten up like punched out like he was it was horrible and so i feel like we are we're getting there like you know my kids are you know they're at school and everyone can say we're getting there we have a long ways to go though yeah no i agree as sad as that is, right? You feel like was marriage, marriage equality was only a few years ago, and that felt like yes, this is it, right? And then it's like, oh no, no it can well, always no, go back. Exactly. And you know what? As long as we're we're forging forward, as long as we're trying to get there, and I think the conversation is, you know, it's definitely making the rounds. People, we're talking about it now. We right. weren't talking about it then because you couldn't, because then you would be shamed. Yeah. And you know, I can have those conversations with my kids and. And thank God, I'm just, I'm so happy that I'm raising children in this time where it is, well, you can say whatever you want. I'm yeah. like, you know, and, you know, when they were little, like, I don't know if I'm gay or straight. I'm like, cool. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know either. <laughs> but I, that was, that's How a conversation. 12 and 16 now. Okay. Yeah. And so it's, um, you know, those are conversations we had when, like, from, gosh, they were like four you know, just because I, you know, I, after my split, I really only had gay men around me because they were like, they were my best friends and they became a kind of like father figures-ish to my kids on my time. So, you know, it, it's just not, it's just their norm. And I feel like I feel blessed for that. I just wish that would happen all over. 
Yeah, I think you're, you're right in that, like, the times are changing very, very quickly. But even, you know, with Hollywood's recent, I guess you'd say, like, it's a surge of LGBTQ representation in TV and in film, Hollywood is still very closeted, right? Yes. Like, people I mean, are still coming out and you're like, you've been famous for 20 years and you're just coming out. Well, I think because, I mean, people, somebody said recently, like, she were oh, it was uh, Kristen Stewart. She said that, you know, people told her not to come out of the closet because she wouldn't get that Marvel movie. Right. And then if you look at people like, you know, I don't like this person, but like Kevin Spacey, for the longest time, everyone, he was playing straight parts. But the second people found out he was gay, he was not getting those parts. He was getting, well, he was getting in trouble, but. The trouble didn't help. No, it did not help. But, you know, it is, there is a stigma, unfortunately, in Hollywood. Like, there's one really attractive, who was it? I think he played Superman. Okay. Do you know who I'm talking about? They're all attractive. No, I know, no, but he came out as <laughs> no, of course. But he came out and like, Oh, I know. You're talking about um what's his name? I can't I can't even think about it. But he was young and to do that for in his acting career as a young person, and I'll I'll look it up later too. I was like, Yeah, I get it. I was happy for it, but I haven't really seen him in anything since he did. Yeah. So I mean, would you say that there is still a oh, lot of homophobia in Hollywood? One thousand percent. I mean, it definitely exists and I feel like unfortunately a lot of it is with i feel like older people because they get a little more conservative as they get older it seems and it's just i don't get it they get kind of set in their ways and they think that's just wrong yeah and it's hard you know when you're 75 it's hard to change somebody's mind that's 75 and has believed that for 75 years like you have a lot of work to do to get them to change their outlook right so even in reality tv does that um it's a little different, right? Because you're not creating a fantasy of a character who's famous. You know I, what I mean? I feel like reality TV celebrates, you know, homosexuality for sure. I think for the most part, um, I know Housewives does. Um, I most of the shows that I've done, there's, you know, it's it's just the norm. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think it's mostly scripted television, unfortunately. Without saying anyone's name, do you have friends in Hollywood who are famous who are closeted? Yes. A lot of friends. One specifically. But we won't talk about him. No, I won't. I will not tell you. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that's so fun. Yeah. I've learned a lot. Like I'm not saying I'm not going to be that person that comes in like I know everything. I'm this and this and this. I I didn't know a lot about that about Stonewall and yeah no it's true and I don't think I would have just looked it up my by myself just because my life was just like we're all gay it's great (laughs) (laughs) so I feel like it it is important to I'm you know I'm gonna share that with my kids amazing well yeah Yeah. just have them listen to this episode they can get the little history oh you're gonna be like let's segment out this little piece for you to listen to no they they know I've had relationships with them and it's it's we've talked about it so it's not that um I feel like. I don't know. I just I feel like I just keep them young and sweet. <laughs> as long away. as possible. Keep them away from me. No, I'm already <laughs> corrupting them as it is. I don't know. I feel like um I don't know that they need to like they haven't read the book and we did Your talk book? About, Yeah, because well, we talked about their dad and like I don't just really think noob. Yeah, I just don't think it's I don't talk about any of that with them. Yeah. Um Well they're sixteen and twelve. Well yeah, we they know what happened. Sure. They don't need to I don't need to go into detail. They're yeah. very aware of what happened. So, you know, we've had discussions, but I don't need to talk about the Chardonnay and the this and the that. Right. So they don't need to listen. Or the closet with the wine. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it in there. <laughs> just talk about the sunglasses and the allergies. Oh, 
my gosh, for sure. Remember when mom had allergies? All the time. For like During a year. the day. <laughs> at all times. Right, even at night. <laughs> In the house, she didn't leave her room. <laughs> the allergies were that bad. Yeah. It was like cotton from her bedspread. <laughs> <laughs> That's super freaking funny. I'm ready to read your book. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I did, you know, with all humor, there's tragedy. Like, I tried to make it funny as well. Yeah. Obviously, because... It wasn't funny at the time. But it is now. Yeah, exactly. And when I wrote it, you will see I was much angrier. (laughs) (laughs) I was a bitch, but I was in in the middle of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, where now now you can sit next to them. Right. Now we're at Mother's Day brunch. Before I was like, oh, no, that can't. But you can also be like, and I'm already a New York Times bestseller, so I'm over it now. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I did invite them over to my (laughs) condo. We had to just move recently, and it's just a temporary place to live. Um, But I did, at the very top of the stairs, put my New York Times number one bestseller book, like, right at the top. So when they came over, they were, like, shaking their heads. Like, welcome. Welcome. Would you like to see this? You can't miss it. It's, like, at the top of the staircase. It's a tiny hall. (laughs) Brian knows. It's the first thing you see when you walk up the stairs. I just just like to remind everyone. That's my my book. I did that. Um, but yeah, I was a little more. Angry. Your tragedy caused this. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> True. All right. Well, I guess we're just gonna wind this wind this up. Is that the right word? Wind it. Wind it down. Wind, wind you this up. up. <laughs> <laughs> I do everything backwards. Like it's one time we're- to get turned. <laughs> <laughs> that was me this whole weekend. Um, all right, so we're done. Yeah. Well, this was great. I know I had a great time. Thank you. All right. Thank you for being here. Where can we find you on social and what's going on with you? So you can follow me at Levi Chambers pretty much everywhere. Actually, no, not pretty much everywhere. You can follow at Levi Chambers everywhere. And you can follow the podcast at Pride on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Oh, amazing. All right. Well, this was fun. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for listening to Brandy Glanville Unfiltered. Download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, subscribe. And be sure to leave us a rating and review. And while you're at it, check out some of the other great shows available on Straw Hut Media.